TED Audio Collective. I'm a professor at a prestigious business school in New York City, and there's an exercise I often do with my students. I ask them to estimate the global median household income. Then I ask them to zoom in. If this is your global estimate, what about the median household income in your home country, in your city, in your neighborhood? And every year, this yields the same results. My students are taken aback by how wrong their initial estimates are. The truth is, a lot of people don't know where they stand in the general hierarchy of earners. People often don't know how their income and earnings potential compares to most people in the world. And if they did, they might be surprised by how much of an impact they could actually make on the world. Back in Ola, this is TED Business. Our speaker today is philanthropic advisor Natalie Cargill. Natalie believes in the transformational power of philanthropy. And in her TED Talk, she argues that if the global top 1% of earners gave away just 10% of their income, or if the wealthy contributed 2.5% of their net worth, we would be able to tackle some of the world's most seemingly insurmountable problems. Then after the talk, I'll discuss my own approach to giving. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends, then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is, or customize to better fit your investing goals, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block it strikes when i'm at work that's why i choose canva magic write it works fast generating texts in seconds thanks to ai common side effects include increased productivity compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction now i can say bye-bye to writer's block ask your boss if canva magic write is right for you at canva.com designed for work 
Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. I'd like to start with a true anecdote, which is that my friends have genuinely asked me to stop sharing facts about wheat to our group chat. I know, what's wrong with them? They must be mad. But to be fair to them, they have been hearing a lot lately about wheat, wheat-related innovation, how it was funded by philanthropists, and how it might have saved a billion lives. So I'd love to share this story with you now, as I'm here to talk about the huge, and I think still largely hidden potential, of philanthropy to completely transform our world. After World War II, the global population shot up, and it really wasn't clear how we were going to grow enough food to feed everybody. In lots of places, the soil was completely depleted of nutrients. Lots of the crops that did grow were destroyed by disease. And the situation got really bad. By the 1960s, scientists were saying, mass famine is inevitable. Millions of people might die. However, what they failed to fully take into account was the fact that decades before this, philanthropists had already started funding research into how we could improve crop yields in really difficult conditions. The team was led by this man, Norman Borlaug, and he worked in collaboration with the Mexican government. They made some really incredible innovations. So first, they made the wheat grains about three times bigger, which was amazing because they were massive. It wasn't perfect, however, because they kind of fell over. They then made the stems of the wheat much shorter and stronger, which was ideal because they were massive and didn't fall over. Great situation to be in. So after much of what I now call wheat-related YMCA, the team were able to develop really robust, disease-resistant, and incredibly high-yield crops. This new way of doing things spread throughout the entire world, and the results were quite literally miraculous. Entire countries came back from the brink of famine. Global cereal production as a whole tripled in just 50 years. And our friend Norman, was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1970. I really love this story. Not because it was the foolproof solution to global hunger, because of course it wasn't, and actually it was fraught with problems of its own, but because it demonstrates two really important ideas that I think we're neglecting to apply to improving the world today. One, it's pretty simple. Huge problems can be solved with the right amount of investment and cooperation. The second, is that philanthropy at its best is one of the most transformative tools we have to bring about that improvement. Now, I say at its best because I imagine you all know about philanthropy at its worst. At its worst, it can be little more than a tool in the hands of the ultra-wealthy to manage their own status or their own power. It can have very little regard for what's actually needed or what actually works. Philanthropy at its best, however, is still one of the most powerful tools we have especially when it can step in and do the things that governments can't do and markets won't do. And this is exactly what happened with Norman and the Green Revolution. Philanthropic funding to the tune of $100,000 a year from the Rockefeller Foundation in the 40s, in combination with government support, was what we needed to get the project going. If we'd had to wait for governments to take on all of that research and all of the funding, bearing in mind that governments tend to move slowly, and bearing in mind that extremely poor governments don't tend to have an extremely large amount of money, 
We might have been waiting for a really long time. Similarly, if we'd had to wait for private sector investors to take on all that risk themselves, bearing in mind they probably thought they had more profitable things to be doing, we also might have been waiting a really long time. Philanthropy was the thing that could come in, speed things up, and maybe save millions of lives. And the final incredible fact about this story is I had a really, really hard time choosing to tell it to you today because history is full of these hidden philanthropic success stories. For example, I could have equally told you about the pioneering suffragette and philanthropist Catherine McCormick, who single-handedly funded the development of the contraceptive pill. I could have told you about how 80 million Americans came together to fund the eradication of polio, or about how just two foundations funded conferences at the end of the Cold War that dramatically reduced the nuclear stockpile. So, bearing in mind what we can take from all of this, our simple ideas, huge problems can be solved, philanthropy can be transformative. I'd like to invite all of you to go through a thought experiment with me. As I say, it's my favorite type of experiment because it's just really cheap to fund. Okay, thought experiment is this. We're all philanthropists. We want to bring about transformative change, maybe even on the scale of the Green Revolution. To do this, we want to start by tackling some of our largest, our most solvable, and our most neglected problems of all time. And I want you to, if you can, imagine something really crazy. We actually have a massive pile of cash to do this with. I know. Now, you might be thinking the eternal question, where are we going to get a massive pile of cash? And I agree, you know, you rarely find them lying around anymore, sadly. <laughs> But I do have a proposal. The 1%. If everyone in the global top 1% of earners gave away just 10% of their income, or if they are particularly wealthy, and this would be more money, gave away just 2.5% of their net worth, we would have an additional three and a half trillion dollars to improve the world. Now this is, it's a good number. It's a decent amount of money, I agree. Okay, this is three and a half trillion over and above the one trillion that already goes to charity. And this is a surprising bit. If you're earning over $60,000 a year after tax, assuming you're a single person, bringing that home after tax, you are in the global 1%. This is not to say that everyone bringing home 60K can afford to give away 10%, because I absolutely, that is not the case. However, it is to say that global inequality is really, really extreme. Okay, and as a final note, yes, this is just a made-up thought experiment, but I think it can shine a real light on what we can do in monetary terms, what it would take to solve some of our real problems in the real world. So everything I'm about to share is the result of extremely real research, by experts at places like the World Bank, the United Nations, and my co-founder Simran Dhaliwal is here tonight, our own much smaller nonprofit, Longview Philanthropy. So, what could we do with one year of the 1% giving 10%? Let's find out. For $260 billion, we could ensure that nobody lives below the extreme poverty line for the year. That line is incredibly low. It's $2.15 a day. And one in 12 people currently live below that line. One solution to this is really simple and really effective. In fact, it's so simple, people are sometimes confused by it. Why don't we give money directly to the poorest people in the world? And there's a very conveniently named organization that does this called Give Directly. 
Over 300 studies have been done on this type of cash transfer. And the studies show that this works. And it works because fundamentally, people know what they need, particularly when they're extremely poor. Like Bahati, for example. With her transfer, she bought a tank to store rainwater, livestock, and her first mattress. And the fact that people know what they need is also the reason that cash transfers often do more to boost education than building schools. They often do more to support businesses than business training. And they often do more to improve nutrition than all kinds of food programs. People don't need to be taught to fish. We need to end that meme now. People are capable of fishing and investing and a whole lot else once they're not trapped in completely debilitating poverty. Thank you. For $300 billion, we could massively reduce the risk of the next pandemic. And honestly, what concerns me is that the next one is going to be even worse. And the reason is this. It's currently possible for somebody with the right type of experience in bioengineering to go on the internet, to order the DNA necessary to reconstruct the smallpox virus. And as you'll know, smallpox is a horrendous disease that we've eradicated. To reconstruct that virus and to release it into the world. This is not some wild conjecture or some theory. This is what scientists are warning us about and what studies on similar viruses are showing could be possible now. We are not prepared for this. We're not even prepared for the next natural pandemic. Here are some things we could do. First, we could set up a screening program to track sewage and wastewater for the early signs of the next potential pandemic. Then, we could upgrade existing lab facilities worldwide to ensure that anyone who needs a new vaccine can get it within six months. Then, we stockpile enough super effective super PPE to cover every single essential worker in the world, not just people in rich countries. And we can also invest into research into germicidal light and other technologies that could literally kill viruses in the air before we breathe them in. It's really early days, but a breakthrough here could mean the end of airborne disease. Clean energy R&D has been so effective so far. Over the last 10 years, the price of wind energy is down by 50%, and the price of solar energy is down by an incredible 90%. One thing we can do now is build on this and start a clean energy sprint. So yes, wind, and yes, solar, but also nuclear, also geothermal, also better ways of storing the energy we do create, and better ways of removing existing carbon from the air, particularly right at the point where it's emitted. For now, very minuscule-looking, mere $2 billion, an investment here, an endowment here, could permanently quadruple philanthropic spending to reduce nuclear risk. That is less per year than what we spend on novelty socks. <laughs> nuclear risk is almost the highest it's ever been. Right now, thousands of warheads, each capable of killing hundreds of thousands of people, are set on high alert. We know that the early warning systems that should alert us to incoming attacks have a massive history of false alarms, which creates a huge risk of an accidental nuclear strike. This situation is absolutely insane. Even if you think that living in a world without nukes is not feasible or not even desirable, there are safer ways to live in a world with nukes than this. And because this is such a neglected area, even a tiny amount of philanthropic funding would go a really long way to getting the better policies we need. For $1 billion, we could increase tenfold the philanthropic money going towards AI safety. Bit of light relief, because you're about to need it. That's less per year than what we spend on toys for pets. So as you know, 
Top AI labs around the world are currently deliberately trying to create AI systems that are smarter than humans at everything humans do, and then some, and then some, because it won't stop there. They're funded by tech money from the likes of Google and Microsoft, and most AI researchers think that in the coming years or decades, they're going to succeed. What's going to happen then? We don't know, which is terrifying, because even with the relatively simple systems we have today, like ChatGPT, Companies didn't know how they were going to behave in the real world until they released them publicly onto the internet. And yes, they've done some brilliantly helpful things, but they've also done some much less brilliantly helpful things, like threaten to kill people, threaten to hack into people's emails and blackmail them. Now, fortunately, ChatGPT is not an existential risk. But as these systems rapidly become more and more powerful, this way of doing things is going to rapidly become more and more deeply unsafe. We need to put pressure on these companies to slow down, and when the time is right, to maybe even stop. Okay, so we have quite a lot of our budget left. Let's speed things up and see what we can do, not just to survive this century, but to thrive in it. We could find a 13-year plan to ensure that everybody has access to clean water and sanitation once and for all. We could provide the additional funding needed to make sure that hunger and malnutrition are gone within a decade. We could give women control over their reproductive health and fund free contraceptive... Thank you. Free contraceptive maternal and newborn care for every woman who needs it for at least five years. We could fund a plan to end factory farming entirely by 2050. We could massively suppress or even eradicate the 20 neglected tropical diseases, which tend to affect the poorest billion in the world and tend to be incredibly cheap and easy to treat. And we could massively suppress or even eradicate malaria, tuberculosis and HIV. We're not doomed. We don't need to resign ourselves or our loved ones or our fellow humans or future generations to unnecessary and avoidable suffering because we really can solve our biggest problems. And we don't need to throw away one of the most powerful tools we have to solve them, because philanthropy really can be transformative. And I think the thing to remember is that everything I've gone through today, it's not a complete list of the world's problems. It is one option for what we could do with one year's worth of funding from the 1% giving just 10%. Imagine what we could do in year two. Thank you. Support for TED Business comes from Odoo. What's Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedbusiness. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedbusiness. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. My social battery is a little tapped out, I have to admit, because I've had a really crazy period of travel and a lot of socializing over these past few weekends. And 
I know, even as a really social creature, that it can be easy to ignore our social battery and spread ourselves too thin. Maybe you, like me, thrive around people, or maybe you need a little bit more alone time. Therapy can give you the self-awareness to build a social life that doesn't drain your battery. I have benefited from therapy my entire adult life. I'm a huge evangelist for it. I feel like everybody should be in therapy because it's so important to know ourselves better in order to strengthen our relationships and to be able to function in a modern world that feels really precarious sometimes. So if you are thinking about starting therapy, why don't you give BetterHelp a try? It is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible for our busy schedules. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire. It'll match you with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash TedBusiness today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash TedBusiness. What Natalie is saying here reminds me of an ancient premise that comes from the Bible. There's a concept in the Christian church called tithing. It means giving 10% of your annual income to the church. And I do give 10% of my gross income to my church because I see the way that money helps provide support for people in my direct community who need it, as well as those outside my community and even people from across the globe. That's a form of philanthropy that I personally ascribe to. But this philosophy of giving isn't limited to a religious institution. It can be applied to any area of your life. The more important question is, if you can afford to, how can you incorporate philanthropy into your financial habits? Often, our patterns of giving can be a little sporadic. Maybe it's a one-time donation because you're feeling generous, or you have a friend in need, or you want to support a cause or something really sad happens in the world, and you want to respond somehow. Instead of being reactionary about your philanthropy, it might be useful to think of giving in the same way you think about your 401k, like an automated deduction from your paycheck. This kind of approach can help make giving a habit and a norm in your life. We know that our collective resources can have such a powerful impact. So what's holding you back from giving just some of yours away? That's it for today. TED Business is part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was produced by Hannah Kingsley Ma, edited by Alejandra Salazar, and fact-checked by Hannah Matsudaira. Special thanks to Maria Lages, Farah DeGrunge, Corey Hajim, Daniela Balarezo, and Michelle Quint. I'm Madhupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.